0: Yeah. Um, Father, will you please uh, bless Rob? Will you please fill him full of your Holy Spirit? Thank you for the time that he has spent in your word, and thank you for the time also that your word has spent in him. Uh, please, will you bless us and give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying through Rob today? Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you, Peter. Um, and thanks very much to the worship group as well, we had our, our guests here, uh, I think they did a fantastic job, so that was brilliant, well done guys, um, get a round of applause as well, does this need new batteries, is it coming in now a little bit? Okay, Fair enough, right, well, um, okay, it's a pleasure to be here with you, I'm going to start off by getting what every teacher needs, another teacher, a whiteboard, so here we go, this. I think if uh, you ask anyone in the uk uh, about um, David Goliath, I think they would they would know roughly what you're talking about roughly maybe 99 percent uh, and I think by addition quite a lot of people know about Saul, but I dare say not everyone would know this story about Saul. Is this working all right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, I think, oh, should we do a show of hands? Who knows this story? Who would be able to kind of like recite this story? Oh, check you guys out. Okay. You're pretty holy. Okay. Um, You're better than me. Um, I didn't know this story that well, but I think it's a good story. Um, So the things I'm going to try and pull out from this story are, uh, it's about a journey. So I'm going to talk about kindness on the journey. Uh, also, talk about being chosen, and also not but being worthy, but being worthy. Okay, so journey, being chosen, not being worthy, but being worthy. That's my plan. Uh, so I got to say, I, even though I didn't know the story very well, I kind of felt like I had a few things in common with the main character, with Saul. Uh, did you spot there? He's tall. I'm pretty. I'm pretty tall. I kind of feel like this this whole world is too small for me, really. Like this selection seems a bit low down. I feel a little bit high up compared to everything. It's difficult being tall. Uh, also, you might not agree with this one, but he's good looking. He's uh, <laughs> handsome. So, uh, and I, I, think, I think, personally, I think moustache probably adds to my good looks, uh, although my wife might not agree with that. <laughs> um, so, those are a couple of things. Also, he's on a journey. And I love being on journeys. I love going, uh, taking a trip somewhere. Uh, and I think all of us, in some ways, have that in common with Saul, because we're all on a journey. Uh, we're we'll journey through life, if nothing else. Um, I'm sure you go, you go on journeys. I'm sure quite a lot of you probably enjoy going on journeys. Um, if you go down to the train station, uh, quite often we're kind of like we're shown publicity about kind of like the selling, they're selling the GWR, Great Western Railways, by pictures of people going on journeys. I think it's the great five or the, the famous five go on journeys. Uh, it kind of resonates with us, doesn't it? Like we all like going on journeys um, and we've read stories about that. Anyway, I love being on journeys, so I kind of see in this, like, Saul is on a journey, isn't he? Uh, he kind of starts off, he's, he's trying to find some donkeys, and he's traveling through the land trying to find his donkeys, as you do. I've never been on a journey trying to find donkeys, but I've done quite a few journeys where I've been on a bike, so traveling through lands. Um, I was going to be preaching last week, my brother was going to be here, and I was going to tell a story about that brother. He's not here. This week, so I'm going to tell a story about my other brother. So basically, I've done a lot of travels with my brothers as well on bikes. So my other brother, we went to Spain, and uh, we've uh, got the boat to Bilbao, and then we, our plan was we we're going to cycle across Spain, but the short way from uh, Bilbao to Barcelona. Okay, the people over that kind of terrain at all. It's basically parallel with the Pyrenees. So you start off, you basically go through the foothills of the Pyrenees, and to anyone from, I guess anywhere in the UK, even Wales. Uh, you're going to think these are huge mountains because we, we kind of have mountains, but they're only really hills compared to those mountains. So even though we were going through the foothills of the Pyrenees, if you picture it, it's mountains. You're kind of like, we've got to cycle through this. And to be honest, we weren't very well prepared. Uh, I've done a little bit of cycling kind I bought a new bike and i would used it a little bit down in Cornwall where it's quite hilly. And so I've done a bit of cycling on the hills. My brother, he's lastminute.com, and uh, he had done almost nothing. He got a new bike, same bike as me. I, too much, I sorted that out for him, so I got the bike for him, um, and uh, he had done nothing, he's a busy student, uh, obviously it's busy life being a student, <laughs> well it's not really is it, but anyway he was, lastminute.com, having a good time, so we arrived there, and this story could actually go on very long, we'll have to watch the time, because uh, a lot of things happen on, <laughs> we were right there, and he, he put his seat back, on bike, not to put in back. Um, packed into a box, and, uh, sorry, he basically was putting this on, he over, over-tightened his seat, you the uh, the uh little screws you get on the uh uh so his seat was then waggling for the side so our journey started by going backwards we basically went back to bilbao to get him this sorted so and then on that uh, that trip we basically cycled all around bilbao got really tired because it's hilly there as well and then it was siesta time and uh, we couldn't find any shops open but we managed to find one shop that did open early and these people were so generous and they weren't a bike shop it was kind of like kind of halford's kind of style but they sorted out kind of something to bodge together to fix this school in a seat. So very kind of them, very nice, kindness of strangers. Anyway, we cycled on. First day was, ter- <laughs> First day was horrible, <laughs> very very painful. Uh, and we basically arrived at the campsite about two hours after dark, because we'd gone to Bilbao. Got to this campsite, completely exhausted. My brother w- went to sleep. Uh, he almost didn't wake up. It was almost like he was so tired. I, I, I woke up around the village and uh... he kind of woke up, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, not to plan at all. We're going to do an early morning cycle on. Anyway, about five days later, um, we were uh, very exhausted, a bit broken. Uh, We'd lost a lot of kit because all the kit we had was just too much. Uh, So we got to this village, and every day we found that it rained, even though it's Spain. I guess northern Spain is different to the rest of Spain. and They tell us that it does rain quite often there. Uh, And basically every day it rained. And when you're on a bike if anyone's ever done a bike journey on a bike if you get wet you're then wet and cycling getting cold and it's quite miserable so every day we'd kind of have to go through this rain and get a bit miserable and then eventually we'd kind of have some sunshine and we'd, we'd dry off and it was all right on this particular day we got to this village it was torrential rain literally like the heavens are opening and we got completely soaked we spotted in this quite dark kind of uh, uh d- a dreary kind of village an old uh, not old people's home a uh a working men's club and it looked like working men's club in this country, where it's kind of like very unwelcoming, which is not like Spain, really. Usually, Spain's kind of like to have nice restaurants and bars and stuff. But We went to this club, partly because it was so wet, but also we were really hungry at this point. We hadn't planned that out. We had to try and get some food. Um, anyway, the people in there weren't that friendly at first, but they managed to find some food for us. It was the one thing on the menu, which I can't remember what it was, but we were so hungry, it was fantastic. Uh, and at the end, we said, look, is there anywhere for us to stay? Because we haven't planned anywhere to stay. And it's horrible weather outside. I said this in Spanish, and just about got across. And they basically said, si. Uh, And they directed us down to the road, to the football pitch. And they said, basically, jump over the fence and (laughs) camp there. Uh, And we'd gone past his pitch just before the rain. And basically, we kind of thought, oh, we wouldn't stay there, even though it's really nice grass, because it's the football pitch. You can't stay on the, the town or village football pitch. Anyway, long story short, we stayed there. Next morning... You know when you wake up in the morning and kind of you kinda hear the birds singing, but it feels like the noises are so crisp. It's kind of so, so uh, you can hear everything in your tent. You're very sensitive to the noise. We heard like a jangling and like a key going in the in the gates. And we're like, oh no, they're gonna find us here. These aren't the people who let us in said come and stay here. These are just people in the local men's club. Uh, these are different people who own the pitch. This is all going from ahead in a split of seconds. We're in trouble here. We're, we're on their prize pitch. Actually, it was next to the pitch, which is their prize grass. Um, so basically, my brother kind of sh- sort of said to me, "You have to go out use your break- broken Spanish to try and speak to them." Slowly unzip the zip. Speak to them. They were so nice to us. They basically said, oh, no problem. No problema." Um, and then basically said, "You can use the shower." And so basically, we had a hot shower. Had a chat with them. I don't think they gave us any food, but we'd already had food the day before, so we felt good about that. Uh, and just sent us on away. It's such an amazing thing. Right, that's five minutes on our story. I'll stop there. Um, basically, I always find on journeys you meet people who are kind, and it's kind of like that kindness of strangers makes the journey. And how I'm going to relate to that to this story is that it kind of happened to Saul. First of all, he had the kindness of his servants. I guess they could have been very good friends, or it could just have just been a very distant relationship. But basically, the servant was kind to him. He said, let's go and see this person to help us out. Let's go and see the seer, or the prophet. And also, I've got some money to pay him. That was a servant giving Saul the money. Uh, so that's pretty kind, wasn't it? Saul was all up for just going back at that point. He was like, right, we failed to find the donkeys. Don't need the donkeys anyway. Let's go back home. But no, the servant helped him out. So that was the first thing. He would, have not, he would not have gotten to Samuel if it wasn't for the servant. Second, uh, they bump into these uh, women going to collect, collect water. And they helped them. They said, oh, it's down that way. Uh, It's fantastic when you're traveling, when someone helps you out in that way. Uh, uh, Extra little story. This might be true for a lot of people here. If someone asks you directions, do you give them directions no matter what? Or do you say, oh, I don't know where you're going. Don't go there. I always give directions, even if I'm not quite sure. Um, And sometimes people don't know where they're going. I think apparently that's a trait for men. They like to give directions. Well, women would say, oh, I don't know. Kind of ask someone else. Uh, Anyway, these women did know and they sent him to the right place and they found the right place uh, so they they helped him out uh, and then when he gets to when he meets Samuel kind of through that conversation essentially he's invited in for a, a meal as a guest of honor so on this journey his journey's gone from on a kind of a, a forlorn hope trying to find donkeys to actually being helped out by all these people and you you're kind of guest of honor at the meal so i just thought that was fantastic um, and I guess for me that would challenge was for us, uh, we need to be those people. We need to be the people who are helping people out. Uh, there's a verse, in Proverbs chapter three, 3, which is going to come up, um, and this is one of my favourite passages in the Bible, uh, so do read this uh, later on today, Proverbs chapter 3, read it through. some fantastic promises there, but it says there, uh, that love and faithfulness never leave you, bind them round your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. actually my verse, it says, uh, let kindness and faithfulness lead you. So I guess that's my challenge to you. But you are kind people. I know. But um, let's, let's keep that going. Sometimes we get bored talented, but let's, let's be kind. Let's, let's be people who help out with time people. Help them out on their, on their journey. Um, and I also, uh, we're all on a journey. Whether it be a journey through life through Spain. Or whether it's a journey through life. Um, let's just uh, thank God for kindness. About it, talk to the person next to you, you'd think of a few things this week where something kind of happened to you and it's kind of lifted your spirits. Um, so, yeah, it's the right time. So, thank you, God, for that. Um, that was my, uh, my first point. My second point, if you remember it, was chosen. For this, I need another prop. This could all end in tears. Because I've got some teddy bears. So uh, here's the first teddy bear, he's the heart teddy bear. We haven't got very good names for them, but that is heart teddy bear, put in there. Um, here's another teddy bear, we call him panda, you can see why. So there we've got panda, just there. And here's another teddy bear, we call her doll, <laughs> you can see why. Uh, let's keep for another 10 minutes. Um here's panda, no not panda, koala, sorry. Koala, and animals. Um basically, when you have a child, you suddenly get given a heck of a lot of a heck of a lot of teddy bears. And when when this first happened, I've got to say, I was a little bit like another teddy bear, really? <laughs> I think we had two of the same sort at one point. Uh and it kind of like, does any kid want that many teddy bears? This is when Grace was like about Two weeks old, we already had a house full of teddy bears. Um, this is just a, a small selection. Um, but it turns out babies do love teddy bears. Uh, maybe not all babies, but our Grace really, really loves teddy bears. And these bring her a lot of joy. But actually, two teddy bears, for some reason, have been chosen as the special ones. So this is where the tears might come in. Uh, here's Archie. He's got a name. So it's not just Teddy. Here's Archie. So Archie's one of the chosen ones. I'm not sure why he's chosen. I mean, he's quite, he's a, good, he's a good representation of a teddy bear. I guess he's got a massive smile on his face now. There we go. He's a good representation of a teddy bear, what a teddy bear should be. Uh, and he's got a nice jumper on, but I don't know. I quite, I was a big fan of Koala. I think he's, he's got a really nice fur as well. I would have got rid of all the teddy bears and chosen that one, but Koala's just kind of, ooh, he's kind of second best. But they are, to be honest, they are all still loved. There's a lot of sermons in this, I can say. But um, anyway, Grace has chosen those two. I mean, it's not a great life being a chosen teddy bear because uh, you get taken on trips, but quite often you get chucked out of the pram. Uh, So these teddy bears have been chucked out of the pram a number of times. You get bitten a lot. That's happening less now, but they definitely, uh, mummy's managed to correct biting of other kids and mummy and daddy, but teddy bears still uh, do cop it. you, uh, you sometimes get your head put in the poo bin. <laughs> that happened a little while ago, where Grace was being really helpful. Dada had forgotten to take the nappy, the dirty nappy, and put it in the bin, and Grace did it for me, which is fantastic. But then, obviously, it's quite messy when baby picks up uh nappy and puts it in the bin. Um, it was only a wee wee, don't worry. It was a wee wee nappy, but uh, the teddy bear got his head put in the bin, which i just spotted in time, and obviously got a wash afterwards. Um, so anyway uh, chosen and in this passage I think one of the key ideas or key themes is Saul is chosen isn't he so Saul is chosen and it just has like a just one verse really this passage we read um, where it's in verse 20 and so Samuel is talking to Saul and Samuel says to him and to whom all the desire of Israel turned or and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned if not to you, if you remember, like the back into the stories that the kind of people of Israel had been calling out for a king, they hadn't had one before. They had their, they had God, they had you know Yahweh. Um, they didn't need a king, but they called out for it. And uh, at this point in in the uh, story of Israel, uh, God is basically choosing uh, Saul to be the first king, and Samuel is passing that message on. Uh, so uh, Saul, is chosen. King. Um, and I guess a couple of things about that, and this is why it's white white going to come in. Um, and that is, well, first of all, Saul was like the special chosen one, but that was the Old Testament. And the New Testament, in a way, we were all chosen. So, uh, if we read Ephesians chapter 1, which might appear, uh, it says, as Paul is writing a letter to the Ephesians, it says, even before the world was made, God had chosen us to be, uh, to be hit by hit, union with Christ. There we go. Okay, so in some ways, kind of, we hear these stories of uh, from the Old Testament of people being chosen, but actually, in the New Testament, in this day and age, uh, we, we are all chosen. Uh, I'm glad it's not Tones to Tears. I'm glad it's just Stephen Teddy Bears. Uh, we're all chosen. Uh, so, let's do a little picture for that. So, right, I'm going to put this down. And... Um. Here we go. So here's my picture on the whiteboard, uh, and I need to draw a line across. Here we go. And on this side, I'm going to draw God, just here. Some of you might have seen this before, but I think it's always a good one to do again. Uh, I've got God on this side, just here. And on this side, I'm going to draw us, nice, but I'm a chemist, using the whiteboard, or using a giant whiteboard. So, us, uh, here's <coughs> else we've got. A little bit of carbon, more hydrogen. Uh, a bit of phosphate, so I'll put a bit of phosphoric acid there. Um uh, <laughs> formula, formula just there. Uh, and I think that's something that's us. Or I could just do a skip right. Okay. So that is us just there. Okay. Uh in the beginning God created us, uh, but unfortunately we do things that do separate us from God, don't we? We do uh-huh. our thing. We? We're jealous, we're uh, grieving, uh Every day, you know, we slip up. So these kind of things kind of come before us and God. Look at this. And this is what I'm trying to show you with, uh, with our white horse. In that um, uh, things that are sins, the things that we do wrong, separate us from us and God. But God's wants us. God wants us to be his people. And so uh, you He's found a way to overcome this gap that's being caused by... Uh, our mistakes, our sins. And so he's chosen he's Jesus, because he can bridge that gap which we can't bridge ourselves. Uh, Tom. Could uh, I get you like to help out? Is that right? um, So I need someone to help out with my visualization. So here we go. Top round. Could you hold that it's like a bridge? So that's the right height. Just put it in there. So here we go. Uh, I'll just lower a little bit, so it's right on one of those. So there we go. Here is my my bridge. And by the by, the cross. Jesus came down to earth, and it was see, it was quite a great tap on earth, But his mission really was to bridge this gap between us and God. And by doing the job that we can do, uh, we are chosen and so say, my stick man can come across, and he can uh, or she can be with God, and we can have a relationship with God again. Fantastic. You can say that way <laughs> um, so in that sense we're chosen by God we we can be God's people we can have a relationship with God um, and also uh, I guess in our lives just like Saul we are chosen uh, we're, we, God has got his hand on our lives uh, whether it be in the small things of life or whether it be on a big mission like Saul had to be king uh, God has He's got plans and um, he's got things for us in our lives, which uh, he will provide for us and he will help us on the way and he will be kind to us through people and through, through himself uh, and he will bless us in those. So I guess I'm just kind of stuttering a little bit because I just suddenly thought of the Hope in Action uh, house, which is going to be just across there, isn't it? In some ways, in a very literal sense, the people who are coming to stay in that house are chosen, being blessed to be in that house uh, and... I guess we should really pray for them that, uh, not only can they get on well in their house with each other, and that they can have good opportunities, but pray that they can know that God has chosen them uh, in their lives, in the in the year or two years they're there, but also going on from there. Hopefully, it's going to be a launching pad for uh, <laughs> lives that are kind of living blessed by God. So that's something we could pray for. So we're chosen. Uh, I wanted to add in a bit more to the story, though, because if you saw... In the story there, um, Saul has this spoken over him uh, and he basically, he gets it straight away because he's he's living in Israel. He gets the idea that if all the hearts of the Israelites are hoping for you, that means you're going to be king. And his response wasn't like, oh, fantastic, I'm going to be king. It was the complete opposite. He said, "Um, but I am not a Benjamite. I'm from the smallest tribe. Um, It's not my clan, the least of all the clans in the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, why do you say this to me? And if we go on to the next chapter, uh, there's a crazy scene in the Bible, in the story here, but where uh, Samuel's got a whole of Israel there together. This is probably the bit where people would recognize it well. And they, they're kind of looking for all the tribes. Who's it going to be? It's not this tribe. They, go, they find the, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, and it's, they go through all the clans, and they find it's Saul's clan, and they go through the family, and they find that it's going to be him, but he's not there. Where is he? He's hiding. Saul, who's going to be king, is hiding under the bags, uh, and basically they say he's not here. And even God has to say he's in the. He has. He speaks to Samuel and says he's under the bags. Go and find him. So, Port Saul was not particularly interested in being king. Um, he didn't see he was worthy. He didn't feel like he was worthy. He was chosen, but he didn't feel like he was worthy. Um, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, to be honest. That's another way that I, I another thing I have in common with uh, Saul, really, because quite often in my life, I have these, I have like fleeting, usually kind of middle of the night kind of things, thinking I'm not really up to this. I don't think I can do this. So I can definitely relate to that, and I I dare say quite a lot of us might have those feelings. Uh, it might not be all the time, but it might be when something big's coming up. You're like, it's really not me. It's um, I'm not from the tribe, Benjamin. I'm not. Uh, we're. Well, I'm I'm from a small family. Uh, I'm not that clever. I'm not that strong. It's like I'm not up to this. Um, so you, you kind of. And you find ways to overcome these, don't we? But we generally, we quite often feel like this. I thought I'd test that out. So I went to a, a wedding yesterday when I should have been pre- preparing this sermon. I was at a wedding. And uh, I thought, why don't I use this time to speak to a few people? And instead of just saying, like, what's your job? Uh, where are you from? Or how do you know the bride? Or how do you know the broom? I thought, uh, I, thought I'd ask them, um... uh, I thought I'd ask them, like, uh, is there any other time that you've not felt worthy? So I spoke to one lady. It turned out uh, <laughs> she was... Uh, uh, it turned out she. That's a normal question, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest, they did look a bit, little bit nonplussed at first, but they, generally they got the idea and they they kind of fought through it. So one lady, she was. Turned out she was a uh, a minister uh, in the Baptist Church, and uh, she said that whenever she does a sermon, she always feels not. She has a time where she's feeling like I'm I'm not up to this, and she says actually it's always a spiritual battle. So she she definitely uh, resonated that feeling of not being worthy. And then she had a few tips, which uh, was um, so that was good to speak to her. Uh, then I spoke to another. Uh, I spoke to a businessman, and I mean, you think businessmen they're, they're pretty confident kind of people. They live uh, life by the seat of their pants, don't they? They're kind of like uh, they have to make big decisions. And to be honest, he kind of fulfilled the stereotype a little bit because he kind of looked, he kind of thought a bit. And he almost said, no, I'll never feel not worthy. But actually, he did say once. um, He started a job, and uh, he basically started a job and realised that he didn't know what he was doing. And he he basically not felt worthy. So he thought of one occasion, so good on him for that. Um, But even he was not worthy. Uh, And then I spoke to another lady who turned out she was a nurse. She'd she'd retired, but she'd been a nurse for 46 years, or 47 years. So an incredible amount of time. And uh, her take on it was that she... Someone who she's working with, who's I think maybe a boss or a superior, it sounds like, has said to her, Why are you not more worried? Why are you not kind of why aren't you stressing more at work? I think at the time she was a midwife, not only a nurse, but a midwife. And this lady has basically said to her, or reflected afterwards, that it's because my boss is God and uh, and he basically provides for me. So I guess she might well have had times when she doesn't feel worthy but her way of dealing with that was the fact that it wasn't she wasn't just serving the lady who was giving birth or serving the uh the, the hospital or her boss who was saying to her why are he you not stressed out which is a great thing her boss to do um she was you know she was serving god and uh i guess that is that's the thing isn't it that's the thing that saul was forgetting and it's made the thing that we forget as well that actually we probably aren't worthy of a lot of things we do we probably aren't skillful enough there's probably someone who's more talented Someone who's taller or stronger or better um, or more confident, uh, but actually, uh, if we when we have these challenges in our lives, uh, it's not that we have to be worthy. It's the fact that God's chosen us, and that we're worthy because He's with us. So God makes us worthy. Uh, and again, I've got a quick verse. For that, and that's uh, Romans chapter eight verse thirty-one, which might appear behind me as well. Uh, obviously, uh, Romans is a fantastic book, and you've got to really read the whole of Romans eight, kind of, to see this verse. Um, but it's a beautiful chapter, and it says, uh, "What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" So maybe that's maybe that's one you know already in your head, but it's a good one to remember. If God's for you, it doesn't matter if you're not clever enough. It doesn't matter if you're not tall enough. Doesn't matter if you don't know your formulae, if you're a chemistry teacher, uh, you know, God will make a way. And uh, if God's for you, then it doesn't matter who's against you. So just to kind of tie those things together, um, in some ways, I think this sermon's back to front. It should really be in the journey after you've been chosen, then you're kind of empowered. You believe in yourself or you believe in God and he makes you worthy. And then you go on a journey. I was kind of thinking, servant it doesn't really make sense to me now. Uh, but actually, isn't life quite often like that? As in, we're kind of travelling through things and we're on a journey, and then we realise actually, no, God's chosen me for this. This is why this all happened. This is what I've been chosen for. Uh, and then you don't feel worthy, and then actually God makes you worthy, and then you can carry on your journey. So I guess my prayer is for you you folks today uh, that um, yeah, you remember that. Remember that you are chosen. Uh, remember that uh, even if you don't feel capable, God is for you. Who can be against you? And I suppose on your journey, just remember to put on that necklace. God doesn't ask too much of us in some ways. Just trust in me uh, and love people as we've been loved. So put on your necklace of kindness and faithfulness as well. So that is me finished. Uh, Peter, shall I hand back over to you? Ah, Peter. Peter. <laughs>